Hello, and welcome once again to your favorite storytelling podcast, Tales from a Cult Insider. I am your host, Chief Storyteller, Chief Insider, and Happy Ice Cream and Cake Eater, Jared Garrett. As a quick recap, I was born and raised in the Process Church of the Second Coming, which was one of the more infamous cults in the UK and the USA. The cult morphed over the years into Best Friends Animal Society, and I'm here to tell you all about growing up in this kind of strange, for a long time secretive, religious commune. They were a nomadic commune. We're going to get to that in two more episodes. As always, I do encourage you to send me questions. Uh, if you'd like more details about something I mentioned, maybe I go too fast or gloss over something. If you'd like to reach out to me, send me questions at jared at jaredgarrett.com, spelled how it sounds. You can also find me on Twitter, which one re listener did. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, had a nice little chat, very brief chat about uh, the Oak Lawn Library branch in Dallas. Uh, that was a great branch for me, kind of smaller. Uh, did some great, uh, read every, again, every book there. Thank you for reaching out. I really appreciated that. That made my day. I think it even made my week. Uh, incidentally, before we get into today's topic, I do speaking engagements. Uh, I, I'm cheap. That came out wrong. I am, my speaking engagements do not cost much. Usually, I just try to make back my expenses. Uh, you can reach me at the same email address, jared at jaredgarrett.com, to book me there. Uh, and if you send me some really interesting questions via Twitter or uh, my email, I could just feature them here on the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about uh, one of the aspects of growing up in specifically the cult uh, that started as the Process Church of the Second Coming. Uh, at some point, it was either uh, officially renamed to the process or just after a while it became uh, shorthand or colloquial to call it the process. Uh, and after some time, um, it was renamed to be the Foundation Faith of God. I grew up, as far as I knew, my whole life it was just called the Foundation Faith of God. Shorthand, we called it the Foundation. Now, I may have mentioned before, I'm not like compiling every topic and every detail I, I, I put together here, so there may be a teeny bit of repetition, but that's okay. Usually I'll expand. So I may have mentioned that um, I didn't know the origins of the cult in which I was growing up. I uh, had assumed that it was just a group of people who'd come together and formed this commune. Uh, there was a lot of influence from the Jew Jewish tradition and practice as well as definitely Anglican um, and what looked like a Protestant American, which is quite an interesting combination if you let me stop and think about that. That's really the experience that I had. But um, when I was in my mid-30s, I found out that the cult I'd grown up in had actually originated in Scientology, um, which obviously is a thing that I've mentioned here. Um, I had no idea. I didn't know at all that it was from Scientology, and in reviewing some Scientology stuff, such as Leia Rimini's, I don't know if I'm saying your name right, Leia, I'm sorry, as if you're listening, um, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, she has a couple of specials, one about Scientology. I watched one episode of one of them on Hulu, and I wasn't triggered, um, my, my trauma, I don't have, I had some trauma. I did. Oh, let's just cop to it, but it's not that bad. But it did give me some 
moments of, wow, really? Because there really were some practices that hearkened right back to Scientology in the foundation, which is what I called it growing up and what it was called as I grew up and finally grew out and got out. Um, it was the practice of ostracizing uh, people who displeased them in Scientology, which was quite interesting because that happened in, in the foundation. Uh, the practice of separating kids from parents as soon as possible, legally or not, uh, was also a thing uh, in the foundation. I basically grew up like a bunch of orphans, as, I, as I've mentioned. Um, it was like an orphanage, but not like the Annie orphanage necessarily. We didn't wear like canvas sacks or anything. Um, we were poor for much of our, our my childhood, but it wasn't like destitute poor most of the time. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. So the, another thing that uh, has struck me is some of the exercises that it seems like they do in Scientology, which definitely held over into the foundation. And that is today's focus. Um, and I that it, this is a pun that is fully intended because at the beginning of our school day uh, in the foundation, we had a thing called focus class. Um, I've mentioned before that, um, you, you know, I spent some years growing up and still going to public schools. Uh, at the beginning of fifth grade, I was removed from public school. We'll get much deeper into this in the next podcast, uh, and how, how this was a giant, um, negative milestone for me. Um, but the cult the foundation created uh, this faith, the school called Faith School in Dallas. The Dallas branch was a fairly well-established branch run by um, a woman and man. The man, I believe, was one of the original founders. He was British, and so that tends to tell you that they were original founders if they were British, because uh, they all were. Uh, and his wife, uh, Lucia, who um, I believe has cooled down a lot in her later years, but when she was running that branch, she she was scary. Um, and very abusive verbally and emotionally. And Jason was the same, but also physically. So um, Faith School was established in Dallas with these not entirely great people to run it. Um, I'm sorry to say it's, that's just the truth. They weren't really the right people to be raising children. Um, granted, they weren't actively involved unless they decided they wanted to be in the day-to-day. Faith School was uh, staffed by other members of that branch who uh, maybe weren't very good at funding um, or funding being the fundraising efforts that they would go, go and do, or they uh, just didn't have the personality for it or some other reason, they became the staff slash teachers or faculty of faith school. Faith school started when I think I was in third or fourth grade. Um, I wasn't sent to it, uh, mandated to go to it until I was beginning my fifth grade year, showed up there. And on the morning of my first day of that school, we had focus class. Now, focus class wasn't academics. Focus class was exercises, activities that we would do together, usually in pairs, sometimes in big groups, sometimes in the whole group, where we were to practice being a certain way, behaving a certain way. Controlling the situation was the ultimate goal, I believe where we would control the interactions that we would have, be in control of the interactions that we would have. I'm not sure why that was such a strong focus for the foundation, but it really, really was. It was a thing that was hammered a lot uh, of doing what was necessary to control the interactions, the communications that we had. Um, 
there wasn't a lot of like introspection. There wasn't, well, there was no introspection in courage that I could, that I can remember. There was no true deep meaning being sought in these exercises. Uh, it, it all was very surface. Um, and I'm going to describe some of the interesting exercises that we did in focus class there at Faith School in the Dallas branch. Um, I want to describe the setting real quick. The Dallas Faith School took place in its own specific building, actually, in Dallas uh, on Bowser Street, just in a row of um, kind of residences that had been converted into offices. I looked it up on maps and found that it's still there. Um, big uh, asphalt, con uh, kind of concrete style, asphalt uh, style. I know those are different things. Don't, don't, don't come at me. Uh, an asphalt parking lot in the back, um, big steep uh, driveway to get up into it, uh, really lots of glass in the facade, uh, lots of nice brick. Uh, and you would walk into this building, which we just called Bowser because it was on Bowser Street, and that was the tradition or the practice there, uh, and it was to call houses by the street names they were on. Hence, I lived in Dixie, shortened from Dickinson, which is the street that we lived on. Um, we walk into Bowser, this building. Uh, you would, uh, kind of an entryway or a foyer, uh, lined by glass, uh, kind of a stony floor, and then you would turn left into this long main room, carpeted. And that's where focus class took place usually. Um, we, we would have a bunch of folding chairs, uh, thin pads, and uh, the director of focus class would get us started. Usually focus class began with the acceptance step, after a prayer, of course, of some kind. Now I will mention a fun thing before I get into this acceptance step. Fun thing, I've talked about the day in the life of growing up in, in, in the foundation. I didn't mention something that I only really remembered because I was reminded of it by my ex-stepmom, Susan. Hi, Susan. Love you very much. Uh, saw her recently after quite a while and told her about my memoir that I've written and I'm uh, shopping to agents. And um, she reminded me that before morning prayer, the prayer circle that we would do, uh, we weren't allowed to talk. Like nobody was allowed to say anything. It had to be totally silent in the houses before prayer. And so you could only say words after the prayer circle's over. Um, how odd and interesting that is. What a fun ritual. And I'd, I'd forgotten that completely, but now that I've been reminded of it, I totally remember the pressure to keep quiet uh, and being needled by Mark to try to guffaw or laugh or, or break, uh, break the silence. Um, but as Depeche Mode would say, enjoy the silence, man. Um, great album, by the way, Violator, good times. So uh, we'd certainly start with a prayer of some kind uh, or a blessing of some kind. And then focus would begin and we go to the acceptance step. The acceptance step consisted of everybody in the school. Um, and that, and that was usually between 15 and 20 people. Often an even number. Sorry, I bumped the microphone there. Often an even number, uh, if it was an odd number, then the conductor of the class would sit with the odd number out. We'd pair off facing each other in just in straight rows. So one side is facing um, one, kit, one, one person and the other side's facing their partner. And it's just two straight rows of chairs facing each other. And in that pair, say I'm paired off with my uh, colleague, pseudo brother named Mark, a few, a few inches apart, not too far apart, uh, but not close enough to bump knees or to kick feet if we crossed our legs or something although that was discouraged. And the acceptance step was, they would say, okay, now begin the acceptance step. The point of this was to sit there, accepting yourself, accepting the person across from you, accepting the situation, and showing zero expression. 
like nothing. You weren't supposed to smile. You weren't supposed to frown. You were supposed to be completely blank and devoid of expression. Nothing. Unreadable, because there is nothing to be read. That is accepting. Accepting the person across from you. And depending on your partner, they would either cooperate because they wanted to not cause problems, or they would not cooperate because they were a chaotic, evil jerk like Mark sometimes. Um, or like me even sometimes, uh, if I thought I could get away with it. Uh, I mean, trying to make your other, the other person laugh was fun, um, although, albeit frowned upon. Uh, so um, there you go. That was the acceptance step. And really, for me, it wasn't an introspective thing by any means, but it became a bit of a meditative exercise after I started uh, studying Buddhism and um, practicing meditation. I found that the acceptance step really all along had been a bit of a meditative exercise because I'd been, been able to become quite successful by thinking about my breathing, by settling completely into my chair and feeling my chair under my butt, my feet on the floor, breathing through it all, and just letting my focus go soft. And so that was the acceptance step, and ultimately it did serve me well. Although it certainly didn't give me any acceptance of myself, I still spent my whole, whole childhood growing up thinking that something must be wrong with me uh, for me to have ended up in this terrible situation and didn't have parents who uh, didn't show anywhere near enough um, interest in me. Although my dad, to be very fair to him, uh, did his best. Um, he was very constrained by the foundation. So the acceptance step, good times. Another one was, I, I may be wrong on what we called it, but I think an adequate name for it would be the redirect. And that may have been the actual name for it. The redirect step. And that was where we would sit in pairs again. Oh, also the acceptance step, we wouldn't just do it one, you know, like for a minute or something sitting there. They would have us rotate because we, we needed to be able to accept everybody in every situation. And so, you know, I might start off with Mark and the next person might be Kara and the next person might be Robin and then Adam. And Adam was always hard because I didn't like him very much because he was brutally teasing me all the time. Um, but um, in later years, Adam and I really did connect well and, and found a great deal of mutual respect and a lot of like. And I, I loved him dearly and was sad to say goodbye when, when he passed. Um, but you'd sit there and you'd, you'd have to rotate through these through these partners. Then the redirect step often came next or came sometime some in there. And this is where you would sit in pairs and you tend to have to separate more because you didn't want to be distracted by the other conversations being had, sort of conversations being had there in that step. What would, what it, the way it would begin would be the conductor of the focus class, which typically was Lucia or Jason, actually, um, would be one side began and they would begin by saying something terrible um, or like they were supposed to insult the uh, their partner. So if I'm sitting there and I'm supposed to begin, I would look at, say, Isaac and uh, have to give him this pretty good insult. I mean, we, did, we ended up defaulting to really stupid things like, Isaac, you smell like an orc's dung or um, Manuel, you be flail your arms like a, a spineless Muppet or something like that, you know. Um, neither of them actually embodied those characteristics, sorry. Uh, but those were the things we would say, fairly goofy. And the person being insulted was supposed to accept the insult, show zero expression, but then redirect into a very sincere sounding compliment. So say, Mark said, Jared, you are really ugly. 
I would have to say, thank you, Mark. I appreciate your honesty. Although that's a little passive aggressive and we weren't, to, we weren't supposed to do that. Instead, we were supposed to do things like, thank you, Mark. I really like how you, and say something sincerely nice and good, um, or at least sincerely and nice and good sounding. So I tended to say, Mark, I love how you comb your hair. Uh, Mark didn't comb his hair. Uh, or Isaac, I think that your style is really very spot on or something like that. So some sort of compliment. We're supposed to redirect from an insult to a compliment, thus gaining control in that situation. Again, this this total obsession, uh, preoccupation with being in control of the situation. I don't get it. I don't know why, but it did have a strong effect on me. I have never been drunk, even though I did drink until I was about 19. I never was drunk. I've never done drugs for a variety of reasons. We'll get to that later. Um, but partly because I have no desire to lose control. Uh, I'm extremely resistant to being putting under, being put under an anesthesia because I don't like not being aware of what's going on around me in surgery, uh, feeling like others have power over me. I'm not a fan. I like to have control of my situation. And so, yes, it obviously rubbed off on me um, and probably other things did as well. So that's the, the acceptance step, the redirect step. And then there are some other interesting activities. Uh, we'd go into these um, small circles and, or maybe even the whole circle, but we'd tend, there would be small circles. And we were to, the, the, the facilitator or mediator or whatever, a conductor essentially of a focus class would choose one person in the group and say, okay, everybody say something nice about this person. Now we do this in my family right now. We do it sincerely though, because we want to remember to be complimentary. We want people to take those compliments and we want our family members to know how to take a compliment and really believe it because it's true. And we want the people giving the compliments to be sincere about it and to really think about it and think about what they love about their siblings. So we're trying to do it sincerely. And I don't think that this was meant as a sincere thing. I think it was meant as a way to um, kind of butter up. Uh, I mean, certainly the foundation's model was to control situations and butter up to people. Uh, there was a preoccupation from Marianne on down with celebrity uh, and with gaining a legitimacy that uh, the, uh, sorry for the sniffle, that uh, they couldn't really gain without getting some sort of plug or being associated with somebody significant and seen as legitimate. And so, you know, what better way to get in good with somebody than to say nice things about them? So we would do this this round of people complimenting the other person. Uh, just one of the funniest ones, and I don't know why this was so funny. Maybe it was because it was so scandalous or something. Maybe it was because it was me and I was typically seen as a very stiff kid uh, growing up. And I was. I had a bit of a something stuck up my butt or spine or whatever. I, I wouldn't let loose. Again, control. Uh, but I've had that my whole life. Sitting in this uh, circle, we were supposed to be complimenting Ananda, a dear friend. Um, one of the ones of the kids that I grew up with that I'm still very, very close with. I, I, I like her a lot. She's gone on to have a family. I've gone on to have a family. We've lost touch here and there, but I, I like her a bunch. I respect her choices. She's a powerful woman. So... But back in the day, she looked a lot like Justine Bateman, <laughs> you know, from um, Family Ties. And so it gets to me and I say, Ananda, you know what? I like you because you look so much like Justine Bateman. <laughs> Everybody in the group burst out laughing. I got in a lot of trouble. I got yelled at for a while. And that was that. Um, but that's my highlight story for how to do for that particular uh, step that we would do. And then another activity that we would do, and this is a weird one. 
I mean, stopping and thinking, this is a weird one, but was interesting because, boy, it seems like it might have produced some pretty good actors. Um, I mean, I turned out to be an okay actor, which I used to my benefit when getting away with things uh, there in the foundation. Um, and later, honestly, was the acting practice. So we'd get him back into a, a, the, the group that lined the walls, and one person would be sent to the front, kind of the stage area, which wasn't raised, but it was just this front area. And we would be told to do a variety of things. One thing that we would be told to do would be to act out a certain emotion dictated to us by the facilitator of the of focus class. So let's say Robin goes up and Jason says, okay, Robin, uh, sadness. And so Robin would then be sad. And she'd be like, I miss my comb so much. I loved my comb. Why did somebody break it? Why did somebody break my comb? And then, um, anger. Why did somebody break my comb? Why? So, among other things. And you just they'd reel off an emotion every three or four seconds, and you'd have to go. Uh, they'd give us a phone book, and we'd have to read the phone book names and advertisements with different emotions that they would dictate. Um, and that was that. And I usually was not great at it, but I wasn't the worst. Uh, Manuel just wouldn't do very well. He would just go over the top all the time. Um, and that was a weird one. And then another one was, would be that we would be told, uh, several of you will go up and give a quick talk, uh, or speech and off the cuff wing it. Um, and it needed to be something religious, you know, cause we were growing up on a cult guys. Uh, and so sometimes those would be filmed. And, um, just because <laughs> I think Jason just really liked his camcorder. Yeah. Back in the day, camcorder guys. And, um, the one that they have of me on video, somebody has got it somewhere is me standing there and I, I'm 12, maybe 13. I don't think I'm any older than that considering, you know, my, the way I look in the video. I stand there and I'm my typical stiff self, my polo shirt that's been tucked into my pants. I'm a little round in the middle, but I'm beginning to lean out a little bit. Um, and I've got their big rosy cheeks and the weird hair. We're doing the little twinges in the bottom, uh, these curly cues in the back. And, um, I say quietly in my normal stiff way, got this because I'm ready to rock and roll here. And I say, we take God's gifts. And I pause for a moment or two. And then I yell at the top of my lungs and we throw them away. <laughs> and then I, I launched into this diatribe about how we're ungrateful uh, and worthless servants. And it's right out of the scriptures and stuff. Uh, and it's all on video and ridiculous. And it's very silly. Anyway, so needless to say, that was a highlight for me uh, from my talk days. And that was what focus class consisted of, was these activities that really put us out of our comfort zone. And uh, in many ways taught us to lie. Certainly did teach us how to gain control of a situation, although it's not necessarily the right way to gain control. Not righteous control in many ways. Um, but I, I turned that training around on them several times when I was covering for... Uh, some of my pseudo-siblings that I was growing up with when they were off doing their things and uh, sneaking out. And I covered for myself with it, too. Uh, and honestly, I it, it certainly didn't discourage me from being the liar that I was, which I talked about last episode, um, which I had to train myself out of, you know. Uh, being had, When your default mode is lying and you're extremely good at lying, um, it's kind of hard to stop. So thanks, guys, for teaching me how to lie. Uh, that's focus class for you though and that there are some very interesting similar things that that are done in Scientology I'm not a Scientology um, expert though so I can't really allude to specific ones but 
there were things that they talked about in that episode that were like, oh, that sounds interesting, you know, trying to control your situation, trying to, you know, use these uh, meditative type skills to be uh, calm and all that stuff and whatever. And, you know, being calm is good. So um, that's all for today. Episode five going up here shortly. Um, I want to encourage you once again, if you'd like to ask me a question, reach out to Jared at jaredgarrett.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, okay, I'll spell it. Jared is J-A-R-E-D. And my last name is Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. So Jared only has one R and one D, and Garrett has two R's and two T's. You can get there. Send me questions, send me concerns, find me on Twitter. I'm happy to, um, you know, talk to you and answer your questions. And if you happen to be a literary agent, I, I finished my memoir, and it's really good. And I'm shopping it around, and um, boy, it's a lot of fun. It's not an expose of Best Friends Animal Society. Sorry, no interest. Those guys are doing good work. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and you guys stay thirsty until especially the next episode. The next episode is about me where the anger that defined me for so many years of my life, where it all really, really took off. It was when I was 11, and it was a dark, dark day. And that's all I'm going to say until you come back for episode six, which I'm going to title right now, Dallas Angry Beans. Uh, thanks for tuning in. See you then. Bye, guys.